Hello and uh, welcome to episode 7 of A Damn Podcast. Um, yeah, episode 7. This week we are going to do Dark City. Dark City. I am Adam Sherlock. And I am Adam Palcher. And if you remember, not last week or the week before, but way, way back three weeks ago, we did Pan's Labyrinth starring Maribel Verdu, who is in E2 Mama Tambien with Diego Luna, who is in The Terminal with Tom Hanks, who is in Charlie Wilson's War with Julia Roberts, who is in Flatliners with Kiefer Sutherland, keeping in... Oh, yeah. It's uh, a good time. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a little longer, but it was a foreign movie. What do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you actually had to help with the end of it because uh, I still don't have internet connection. Well, that's don't okay. Ask. Um, we're also going to do top five Kiefer Sutherland uh, performances and then top five... Um, I don't know. How do we want to do this? Top five... Oh, well, the best way to describe the other top five list is it's like top five movies where they kind of give you hints through the movies that there's going to be this big conflict and then either the conflict never happens or it happens and it's not it's not it's not worth it it could it have should, been better it could have been better yeah. and that doesn't mean that it's the ending of the movie it just means that big conflict that they've alluded to and you get these bits of that once it happens you're like that was it like Come on, yep. you know, like, what the fuck? So I got, I got a good list. I good. I think I got a pretty good one, too. And I have to say, man, doing these, like, trivia and lists and shit is a lot harder without the internet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> oh, my God. I had to delve deep within my own personal nerdity to find some of these. So, anyway, uh, let's let's start off with Dark City, 1998, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Conley, Rufus Sew- Sewell... Sewell, Sewell, I don't know. And William Hurt, directed by Alex Proyas. Who did uh, Crow. The, the Crow. And um, he also did the only one that really is worth any mention, which probably isn't really, but is iRobot. Oh, he did that. Uh, really? Yeah, so got to pay for that mansion. What happened? One, really quick, I just I wanted to say this. Uh, you know, when I got the movie out, and I own it, and I got the DVD out to watch it, and I looked at the case of it, and I was like, you know... It seems like that there's a camp for uh, directors that they're gonna do these weird, off the cuff, cool movies. Yeah, and they're and they're in the camp, and so people they're gonna get the respect, and tons of people are gonna go see it and talk about it and be like, "Oh, it's so great!" and all this. And like when the DVD comes out, you know, and it's like the Nightmare Before Christmas, it'll be this really cool packaging and it'll, you know look really awesome and all this. Uh-huh. And Dark City is one of these ones that flew under the radar as far as those those kinds of movies oh, yeah. go. And like I just looked at the box that I had and I was like, "That's so sad." It <laughs> yes. just looks like. The cheesiest movie, and I. This is my second gripe with the movie. Uh, before I say it, I'll say what I say every week: that this is spoiler ridden. We don't take a part of our show and say, "Oh, well, here's the spoilers section." So, it, you know, I could say, "Here's here's the big twist of the movie right now," and if you haven't seen it, it'll ruin it for you. So, go watch the movie and then come back. This is my fucking gripe with my, the box of the movie. So it's just the boxy of the. the movie. Yes. Okay. The tagline. Okay, taglines on DVDs are almost nine times out of ten the worst fucking thing in the world because it's some copywriter who's just like, I I don't know, you know, just writes whatever. (laughs) This one says, they built this city to see what makes us tick. Last night, one of us went off. (laughs) Okay, that's that's the tagline. And at first I was like, oh my god, that's so fucking stupid. Like, if you hadn't seen the movie, it'd make you go, I never want to see this movie. (laughs) Then... As I was looking at it, 
I suddenly realized that the fact that the 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 alien strangers, whatever they are, yeah. we'll, we'll get into this. We'll explain the plot. Built this city that they all live in. You don't find out till the last fifteen minutes of the movie. It's one of the huge twists in the movie mm-hmm. that they're not on Earth. They're not. Oh my God! They're on this other planet. Like where are they? Like they built the whole place. Yeah. You find it's the big twist in the movie. They wrote it on the fucking box. <laughs> How pissed would you be if you were the guy who wrote that? Like wrote the movie and then you saw the box and you're like, "Thanks, guys. That's awesome." Well, that's thank one, you for that. That's one thing too. I I thought was kind of weird was the. Uh, the first opening scene is uh, narrated by Kiefer Sutherland, and he kind of gives away or tells you the coolest part about the strangers that are supposed to be so mysterious. He tells you well, what they do, right? And that but but stuff. let's uh, and that's and that's a great point too. And that, I think that that's that's one of the things that's really original about this movie. So let's let's delve in first and well, do a plot synopsis really quick. You want me to do it? Yeah. Let's. Okay. Uh, why don't you I go ahead and do that? Oh, look at off. you, fancy. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so basically, it's, uh, John Murda. John Murdoch uh, is uh, Rufus Sewell's character. He wake, wakes alone in a strange hotel to find that he's kind of lost his memory and wanted for a series of, you know, brutal murders. And, yeah, the spiral murders. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he basically has to piece together the past, and he kind of stumbles upon this underworld that's controlled by um, the strangers. The strangers. Which are the bad guys, basically, in the movie, who... Um, sort of but, Cenobite-ish looking bad guys. They yeah. kind of just kind of possess the ability to put people to sleep and alter the city. Um, and then basically he, the rest of the movie is finding his way to kind of stop them before they take control of his mind and destroy him. Yes. <laughs> they, and they want to destroy him because the strangers have a, the ability to do this thing. And I, I don't know if maybe you saw it when you were looking around how it's spelled, but it's either like cuning or tuning. It's or, tuning. With, with a, a T? T? Yeah, I actually... Because tur- some of the people in I the tur- movie... turned on the subtitles to get the right, right? thing. Because was, some yeah. of the... In the movie, like, some of them sound like they're saying it with a Q. Some yeah. of them sound like they're saying it with a C or a K. Like, it is tuning. Okay, tuning. And that gives them the ability to change the physical properties of the things around them. Yeah. Right? Like so the they buildings. can make... Where the buildings are... Or, but the weird thing is, is that, like, it, you kind of can't pinpoint what they can change and what they can't. Because, like, there's the scene where they go in and they're going to make the poor people rich. Yeah. And, like, the I guy, like the strangers, t- it's an amazing scene, but the strangers take the time to, like, change their people's clothes. Yeah. And put, like, you know, these big five-piece candelabras up and all this. But then when they, when they do the, the, the tuning thing, the table builds a bunch of other stuff right on it. I'm like, well, you, you can tune a silver plate, but you can't tune a fucking, you know, Their like clothes. The, the clothes or the candles. Like, what the fuck is that? But, well, I mean... I mean, moving people around and, uh, you know, exchanging memories, I thought that was really cool. Right, and then Kiefer Sutherland's character comes in lazy as... Uh, do- yeah, lazy do- lazy eye Dr. Schreiber. <laughs> Schreiber? Schreiber. I don't know. Um, and he... Uh, has these big gnarly looking syringes and he injects them into the people's heads to give them new memories and they become new people and then the strangers sit back and watch to see if memories control a person's soul just basically trying to figure out how to become human or what makes humans you know human right because they came from whatever planet that they did uh dying they were a dying race and so they came and are using these humans in this experiment this giant you know rat race to see what determines a person's soul, a person's survival, and all that kind of now, stuff? Now, are they are they 
I know they're new memories for the person, but aren't are they new memories completely? Or are they exchanging memories with people? I thought- they said in the part where where, where uh, uh, Doctor Schrieber explains how they came here, he said they stole our memories from us, mm-hmm. and so that's I think where like it shows him and he's got his little laboratory and he's like, you know adding a, a dash of teenage rebellion and a death in the family and all that. It's changing the little goop in the yeah. under the microscope and all that. That it seems like that that's all the stuff they stole from people and Does they were somehow... together. Or? Well, and like, he, you know, that he somehow was able to, di- you know, dissect each different individual part of the memories. And so it doesn't... It never really explains it fully, but it, it, it seems like that. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to say, too, that I, I really liked about this movie a lot was... You know, kind of the the comment that you made that in the introduction, where it's it's Kiefer Sutherland uh, sort of giving us an introduction to to uh, the, who the strangers are, where we're at, what's going on, all these different things. This movie, it, it, this movie could have been uh, entire uh, TV series. Yeah, you know, and you would have gone through two seasons of the TV series before you even found out who the strangers were. Mm-hmm. And it could have been really interesting, and, and, and you could have done a lot of twists and turns For and sure. psychological stuff and all this, and then get into, like, oh, and, and this one guy, you know, this this John Murdoch, like, he also has the ability to change the physical properties of things, and so now they find out about him. And you could have done all this, but I'm watching it, and I'm, you know, I'm really immersed, and I look down at, at, at the display on the DVD player, and it's, like, 35 minutes into the movie, and you're totally immersed in everything that's going on, and you're already with with uh, John Murdoch, and he knows that he has this ability, but he can't control it, and all this stuff is going on. And I, I just went, you know, it, it's so interesting the way that this was filmed and the way that it was written, that things happen so fast, but you do, it doesn't turn you off to it. You're not like, whoa, whoa, wait, what the fuck's going on? Like, yeah. what is all this, you know? It, they're, they're, it's like the entire setup, could have been a movie. Just the setup oh, itself yeah. could have been a movie. You know, you could have had the big twist be you find out who the strangers that the strangers are aliens at the end. And instead, you know that within the first minute of the movie, like here's these aliens. They, they, this exactly. is what they look like. Here's what they're doing to people. And well, that was my only problem with it is that, um, you know, it, it didn't ruin it for me that he did tell us that because you eventually find it out anyway. Right. But it seems like it would have been a lot cooler if they just let you figure it out yourself. That's. Yeah, but I mean, and I I agree with that, but it's almost like, you know, in a very uh, classic science fiction kind of a way, they want you to understand that setup first because it doesn't have anything to do with the main plot. And that that may have gotten muddled if, you know, it would have been a four hour long movie just to get there. Yeah, it makes sense. And so I kind of like that idea. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and I think too often movies that, do ha- do kind of live in a science fiction or fantasy kind of a feel realm. Need to explain. Well, or 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 they feel the need to not explain so that it can un- you know it can it can open up on its own to you and it's it takes too long and by the time you find out you're like ah. Whereas this takes more of the attitude of like okay we're on Mars, <laughs> and you go, are okay we're on Mars like all right and so you start the movie from there and as long as they go. You need to suspend your disbelief for the next two hours. Yeah, this is where this is the kind of game we're playing. Then that's awesome. I mean, I I prefer that than like spending 
an hour thinking that we're living in the real world only to find out like, oh, they're fucking aliens? <laughs> oh, great. You know, it's like if you know from the get-go, then you're either invested or you turn it off, you know? So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like that. There's One of the things that makes this movie work so well uh, on those levels, though, is like uh, uh, this guy, Rufus Sewell, uh, the the actor, I mean, he he's he's pretty good. Like, there's yeah. that whole scene where he's trying to figure out what his name is in front of the store window. Yeah, he's like, "Hi, Jack Murdoch," and he's like looking at himself, like, "The hell's your name?" And he's like laughing and everything. You go, that's a that's a pretty honest reaction to waking up with total amnesia. And yeah, just he's like, one of those guys where you kind of recognize him, um, but you're like, "Why haven't I seen this guy more?" Because he is pretty good in it. He but is, man. And my, oh, I'm sorry. Go my ahead. favorite part, um, well. One of my favorite parts, anyway, was just kind of the whole aura of the strangers and how they dressed, and oh, they're man. all pale, and they're just creepy, and especially the little kid. Oh, uh, 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 I don't know, it's Mr. Something, but... Mr. I, Sleep. Sleep. The little boy was Mr. Kill Sleep. Him, Kill him, Kill him. And he, where he's walking down the hallway, dragging the little dagger. Oh, it's great. He's awesome. Well, and that was something, too. Like, I loved the names. I, I wrote down as many as I could. There was Mr. Sleep, Mr. Mr. Wall, Mr. Quick, Mr. Book, and Mr. Hand. Yeah. And Mr. Hand. Mr. Hand was played by Richard O'Brien, who's the, who was Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> he and he wrote Rocky Horror Picture Show too. Wow, the original, like the the musical, but in the movie version with Tim Curry. Oh, okay, he plays uh, Riff Raff. Nice, yeah. Which I thought was, and apparently that's one of the only other movies he's ever been in. And I just fig I figured like you could totally picture like uh, uh, Alex Proyas just being like, you know, they're getting ready, they're they've got the script and everything, and like you know, Mr. Hand's the the badass of the strangers and he's super creepy and it's like let's call up the guy who played Riff Raff just let's just see if he'd do it because it would be fucking awesome if he did and he did and I love that do you think they were uh, ripping off Reservoir Dogs with the names there no, I actually don't, and one of the reasons why I don't is because I could I could envision that being in the very original version of the script because the strangers themselves, you know, they're they yep. have that pale face and those weird outfits, and for so long you're like, so is that what they look like as aliens? This is like, like seven or eight years after. Um, no, and I agree, I agree, okay. but but, but <laughs> my my defense of it is that. You find out who they really are when Mr. Hand says, you've seen what we really look like. We use your dead as vessels. Yeah. And so that's what they are, is that's why they look all creepy and pale and everything, is that they're corpses. Yeah. And the little squid thing that lives in its brain yeah. is just controlling it. And so you think, they have to call themselves something. Yeah. And so they just pick the stuff that they, is just sure. like the most random shit uh, around Mr. Beer them. Can. Mr. Mr. Computer <laughs> Screen. Uh, yeah, Mr. Hat. And they can fly, of course. I love the way they fly, though, how they're standing. <laughs> yeah. And it's all... Oh, but they don't I, really move. They just kind of Yeah, tilt. the notes that I wrote about it was like, you know, a cross between Cenobites and the bad guy from Time Bandits <laughs> and the Borg from Star Trek. Uh, the bad guys from City of Lost Children, like yep. they all sort of like this weird leather bound, bald, pale, like just yeah. super creepy. Uh, man. Totally creepy. There, that was the first thing. The first time I watched this movie, I, that was my favorite part. Was how cool and creepy and dark and, and they live in that gothic. Under, they are. Yeah, they live in that weird underground thing with the giant illuminated face that opens yep. to show the clock, and they're sort of standing in this like almost auditorium looking thing and you you can hear them all chattering and whispering to each when, other when they tune i have a question when they tune 
um, uh, they obviously do it at midnight every night. Right. When they tune, everything stops and people fall people down. People fall down or whatever. and fall asleep. Yeah. I'm wondering, how do they know to hit the brake? <laughs> on the cars do the cars die with them because all the cars stop but i'm like do their foots just press on the now you know what you know what does everything die? i bet that the, i bet that they control the cars too because all the clocks stop yeah all the clocks stop everything stops okay i was wondering because i'm like what's what? keeping everything <laughs> my bigger question and that is benders. when everybody <laughs> wakes back up those that haven't been injected with new memories like what do they think do they do you have like a minute or two where you're kind of spaced out before you realize oh, what's going on? I, I like, fell asleep. How often does that happen? You're in traffic and Every it's like you wake up and you look at your wife and you're like, did you just wake up too? Look in your every mirror like, well, did they just wake up too? It's pretty busy for midnight, you know? Yeah, that's a big city. <laughs> it's a dark city. It is. And obviously the sunset doesn't exist, um, you know, and it's always dark, hence dark city. But. Right. You know what? One of the other things I loved about this movie uh one of them was the sense of humor. There, there, there's like these little underlings of just like funny little moments that are actually like pretty funny. Like William Hurt has a couple of good ones in this where he's telling John Murdoch like, "Look, just come with me, explain everything," and Jennifer calmly like pushes him and he runs away and he looks at her and he goes, "Nobody ever listens to me." And yeah. it's just like, yeah. where did that line come from? I mean, everything else seems so gothic and sort of. You know, Kafka esque and, and and dark, and then you get these little bits of humor like that that are actually pretty great. You know, yeah, that, like, that one line I thought was pretty clever. I, that's a good one. I like when they, uh, you know, later in the movie when Mister Hand says that uh, you know they need to find where John Murdoch is going and what he's done, and so the injection uh, of memories that they were going to give to John Murdoch that he he woke up in the middle of, they reproduce them and give them to Mister Hand, and which in turn turns him into the serial killer that they were trying to turn John Murdoch into. And right after they give it to him and he gets all the flashes and everything, you're like, holy fuck, like this guy's now gone. I mean, first he was just this alien and kind of creepy. Now he's an alien serial killer and he's three times as creepy. And they go, did it work, Mr. Hand? And he says, oh, yes, I have John Murdoch in mind. And I was like, yeah! Like, it's, I, I always champion throwing, like, if you've got a good movie and you can throw in one or two fucking Schwarzenegger-style, like, one-liner in there where it's, like, so cheesy, I'm all for it. I advocate 100%. But I like that. Uh, I love the music in it. I don't know if you noticed, especially through the first half of the movie, um where everything's so fast-paced and it's just like, it's not giving you any uh, uh, real character development. And at first, when you watch it, you're like, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, God, I don't know who any of these people are or anything that's going on. And when I watched it again the other night, I thought, that's actually really smart because for the most part, it doesn't matter who anybody is. Because they're changing personalities all the time, so any character development's pointless. You don't need to know, you know whose mother is in the hospital or who, you know, got fired from their job last week. Yep. And so everything's really fast-paced. There's two sets of music going on. And one is this uh, rhythmic kind of like, bum, 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 kind of going on underneath everything. And then over the top of it is your more atypical uh, dramatic yeah. score. Yeah. But there, it's continuous through almost the entire movie that there's two layers of music happening. Mm. And that... I've actually never heard that before I, in, I in didn't the score. Even like it's it, next time you watch it pay attention for that because it was uh, really interesting one thing that i was going to mention which uh, our friend taylor also mentioned as well which i actually uh read about is uh 
Dark City bought, uh, I'm sorry, the Matrix bought all the old Dark City sets to use for the Matrix. Really? Yeah, so if you notice, if wow. you watch those two, they they do have a lot of the same feel and similarities. Dude, I was thinking like about that. that when I was watching it uh, ju just this last time, as I was thinking, like, what happened to the sets? Yeah. Because they, they're huge, Matrix man. literally bought them. That's why, and if you watch them, it, you can totally tell. Wow, I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that next time I watch yeah, the Matrix. And, and another thing that reminded me of the Matrix, which doesn't necessarily have to do with the sets, is the end fight with the, the, flying, the flying mind fight. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get to that in a minute, though. We're going to get to that in a minute, because I got to... I got a big old bone to pick with that. All right. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the other things, speaking of the set design that I loved, is how often, and obviously purposely, I mean, it wasn't a budget constraint or anything like that because they had a very large budget when they made this movie, but I loved how so often it, it looked like a model. Totally. It looked totally fake, and when you get Especially to the big, when they're growing the building, yeah, I mean, like it that. looks like I mean, it, it looks like almost like a cartoon. You know, it looks really fantastical, and I loved that. I loved how you know when you'd see the little train go by from behind the buildings, you're like, it looks like a model. Like, yeah, totally and I mean, it does. probably is a model. But one of the cool things about that is then when you get to the end, you find out the strangers have built this city that. Uh, it, it makes more sense to go, well, that's why it looked like a model, because it kind of, it's like their big model, you yeah. know? Like, everything looks very, n there's no bright colors, everything's really dark and, and, and drab and dirty looking, and it's another one of those movies, very much obviously influenced by Terry Gilliam, where it looks like it, it's, it's like the future, but it's also kind of the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's but, somewhere um, in between I, I there. I think a big, uh, a big influence also is Metropolis. Oh yeah, that's actually on the DVD special features. They oh, compare really? the two movies. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the end real quick. What? Uh, <laughs> what are, what's your bone? Uh, it it kind of goes back to what you said. Where? Well, first, before we get to the very ending, I have to say that I love the twist. Yeah. Where uh, you know John Murdoch, he does know how to kind of do this tuning thing, and he can kind of control elements, but. It's a reactionary. It's only when he's frightened or threatened Pissed or anything off, like yeah. this. Mm -hmm. And then you have, uh, you know, the strangers who obviously they've had this gift since birth and they know, you know, all these things. And then you have uh, Dr. Schrieber who knows a lot about them. He's obviously been working with them for several years. And as he even explains to them, he knew about when they came and they let him only keep his memories of being a scientist. They made him erase everything else about his life. And that's a great looking scene. He looks, they've obviously just beat the shit out of him. He's got yeah. bloody bruises and all this shit all over him. And he's got this syringe up to his own head and he's crying because he's got to like, and you know, he even says, he's like, can you imagine what that feels like? And they don't have a lot of sympathy for him because they, they think like, yeah, but you've been fucking helping him. But at the same time, like I had sympathy for him because I'm thinking like, yeah, it's one thing if somebody else erased your memories but if so, if like somebody handed it to you, like you're the only one that knows how to do this, so you you have to erase your own memories, <laughs> like that that's about a thousand times worse, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, they catch John Murdoch. They've got him strapped up in that big S and M looking, uh, you know, yeah, wheel thing, and instead of injecting him with the old serum that the strangers want him to that's going to turn him back into the serial killer so that everything can go the way it's supposed to. He takes the other one from John Murdoch's pocket 
that has everything in it that, that, that Dr. Schrieber has made that's an entire lifetime, injects it into his head, and then we get the flash the flashes of these memories he's been injected with, and it's a brilliant, yeah. really like Philip K. Dick kind of it's like very, very cool. You know, where it's like he's he's living an entire lifetime in his brain where Kiefer Sutherland's character keeps popping up as the ice cream guy and as as the postal the delivery teacher. guy, the yeah. teacher, telling him about the strangers, what are their weaknesses, <clears throat> how to tune, how the machine works, and like giving him self confidence too. And my favorite's where he's the mailman. And he's like, "You're doing great, Johnny. Now remember, don't talk to strangers." I thought that was <laughs> that was great. But and then he wakes up and immediately you know pulls out of his bonds. And the big wheel thing melts, melts behind yeah. him. And then begins this total fucking <sighs> big trouble in Little China yeah. fucking brain out between him and the main bad guy. Mind fight. Yeah, where they're like, <laughs> near. And there's literally like laser bolts coming out of their heads. And it made me so angry because everything up to that part, when they're doing the tuning, like there'd be like a little flash kind of coming from their forehead, but then cool stuff would happen. These buildings would twist out like fucking pieces of licorice and like <laughs> yeah. all this awesome stuff would happen. And I just thought to myself, like, there's so much cooler shit you could have done. You know what I mean? Like yeah. make like give him give him a bunch of like, you know, Doctor Octopus arms that are made out of like bricks or something. Like that would have been cool. Anything other than fucking laser bolts. Yeah. I got tired of laser bolts with fucking Flash Gordon. They're not gonna impress me now, especially now that I know that they're done with CGI. They were more impressive when it was like, dude, some guy had to get out a felt tip pen and draw that on every frame. Like that's cooler to me, you know? Like it's just I don't know. It was and it's not the very ending, and so it doesn't totally bum me out, but it's like, it's a cheesemo scene totally. in an otherwise really interesting, especially visually interesting movie. And so that's actually where the top five fight scenes that either could have been better or just like, why'd you even bother? That's why we're going to do that later. But uh, what did you think of that scene? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a cop-out. But, I mean, the whole thing that they're in space and that... It, they're not actually in a city and they're not on earth. Really, I, you know, kind of, kind of redeems it. It does redeem it. It does redeem it. But at the same time, you know, it's, uh, you know, I mean, and the more you think about it too, that is actually a really cool ending, but the whole fight, I mean, you got to kill a bad guy somehow. You got to, but there would have been, you know, you know <laughs> it did just seem like they were like, it seems like they took the whole movie without that scene, took it to, uh, you know, who, whoever the, the investors were and they were like, what are you doing? Like, you did the fucking crow. I want some ass kicking in here. Yeah. All right. I don't know. We got a week. Yeah. Like, how much money would it cost to just have some laser bolts come out of their heads? <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me, right? Yeah. It could have been. It could have ended cooler in that aspect. But I mean, the overall uh, twist in the end was super. Well, it cool. was great. Well, and then and a couple other things I want to mention. I'm wondering how they're all exposed to the fucking gravity in space. Well, and that was the one thing is you did. There was like a haze around there, and there's all that machinery underneath the well, city. Well, it builds the ocean. Yeah, and yeah, it just kind of sits kinda, in there. But you know, cool. the, all the stuff with Shell Beach, I loved. I yeah. loved like the the flashbacks he's getting, and like I don't know if you've ever. I don't know if you suffer from depression during the winter or anything <laughs> yeah. where it's just like there's Dark no and, daytime. Yeah. But that's exactly how it feels. Like you remember these idyllic summers, you know, the, yep. the sun's so bright and you're playing on the beach and you're just like in this cold. I love how, how he keeps asking place. people like, oh, yeah, I know how to get there. Okay, Ooh, tell that me. That was one of the creepiest parts. <laughs> yeah, where like they're going, 
That is weird. When was the last time they did something Here, I in the daytime? Yeah, and he's like, so beach? oh yeah, yeah. yeah. How did he get there? Uh, <laughs> well, and then what a great scene is that when they when he finally takes him there, and it's just that billboard in that empty room. Yeah, I thought that was an incredible scene too. Yeah. That that's like very much like I mentioned earlier about it being Kafka esque. That's a, that that's something that Kafka could easily have written. Would be like the glorious beach that everybody remembers and you go there and it's a billboard on a fucking brick wall, you know? And then William Hurt gets sucked into space. And William Hurt gets sucked into space. He doesn't explode or anything. No. He just gets sucked away. And he sort of has this weird, confused look on his face. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Anyway. Um, couple other little things I wanted to mention. Uh, one of them that I thought was very interesting, and I think you'll agree with me on this, at the very end, all of a sudden we get Shell Beach and... Uh, Jennifer Conley's character standing out there on the end of the pier. Uh-huh. Is it just me, or is that the second time I've seen that? Requiem for Requiem a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. Yep. The exact same fucking thing. Pretty close, yeah. This was first, though, yep. but she's in the red dress. There's the blue ocean, and she's standing on a little white picket-like yep. That's deck. a good point. I didn't think of that. The shot from behind. Yep. I saw it again, and I was like, I've seen that before with the same fucking actress. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of odd. That's true. That's a good pickup. I didn't, I didn't get that. Um... Well, I guess maybe that was. Oh, I love the the Neptune's kingdom, like the with the octopus on the front, and it's like the the sign is in those little screw in light bulbs. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It was just the set design. Detail. I think I think so much of it was the set design and costuming, and like even the way the syringes look for like, sure, and the color. Great you know, attention to detail. The beginning color with that green floor and the goldfish, and you know, yeah, it's that- like. It just looked really great. No, it was shot really cool. Nice wide shots that really made it look good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So, cool. anyway. All right, um, well, what's the song we're going to listen to? This is a song by uh, Chuck Barrett Chuck called Barrett. Hypersleep. And we'll be right back.
days to blinding faster nights While certain muscles fail to flex We lose our sense of hope Land helps chase down that sense of fear It swells when you're alone But nothing shall abstract the tides that carry Cast each pathos to the side to see his mission through. Let nothing could distort the image tattooed on Alright, and we're back. We um, are? Yeah, we're back. Okay. Well, we're. To them, oh. we're back. We're not. We didn't go anywhere. Okay. I smoked a cigarette and you farted. Yeah. Yeah. So they're back. They're they're back. So you're back. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. So Adam, yes. last week I challenged you to watch. No, oh, no. Sorority babes and the dance with Anna Death, and you watched it. Unfortunately, yeah, because I, um, I own it. You do. <laughs> so please, uh, do you have a review? <laughs> I have a quite lengthy review, actually. It's Ooh. just a bunch of stuff that I wrote down, and I'm like. I don't know. I I can't even begin to describe how unbelievably shitty this movie is. <laughs> Let's just scroll through a few things that are shitty in this movie. Let's do it. I'm ready. The lighting, mm-hmm. the acting, the mm-hmm. music, the camera work, the set design, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you can even fucking call it that. I was seriously... like This looked like a high school project. Like yeah. somebody did, made it in high school. I was waiting... I was waiting for like, like cum shots or something, <laughs> like some bush or something. Or somebody's like, mom to walk in and like, honey, you need to like, mom. <laughs> yeah. Like the amount of shittiness and plot holes and just terrible <laughs> dialogue. Plot holes. Like, like it's endless. It's endless. Some of my favorite lines, and I guess I'm sure nobody has seen this movie. Nobody's so seen the this context movie. of. These lines aren't nearly as great as I'm describing them mm-hmm. as they are in the movie, <laughs> or as shitty as they, as they are. But my two favorite are the two, um, the two like guys who want to get laid with the yeah, sword again. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, Tommy! Did you see those garbanzas? <laughs> that was one. Garbanza beans, you're so small. <laughs> yeah, beer me, babe. Yeah, um, and the girl. Basically, the whole premise is this girl randomly walks into an antique shop and buys a crystal ball just on a whim. Just because they're fun. <laughs> yeah. That's what sorority babes do. And she comes back and she's like, hey guys, check out my crystal ball. I got it for the party. I was thinking we could have a seance or something. <laughs> I'm like, what? This I'd is kick that girl out of the sorority party. And my favorite, at the very end, my favorite line, this... This is, I don't know, this is, just doesn't make any sense. They're like, they're like, what about, you know, Julie or whatever? And the guy, the guy's like, kind of shakes her a little bit. And he's like, she's dead. Her spine snapped or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just guessing that's what happened. But the, the, Who pure, knows? the pure shittiness, I mean, shit, people and things just pop up out of nowhere in this right, movie. Right. <laughs> like... The guy who ran away from home that's in, like, the haunted 
college yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like sleeping under a desk and is like... He's, and he's 42. And he explains <laughs> his whole side story that takes like 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, why the fuck is this guy even in the movie? And then immediately everybody else is like, don't worry about him. He's cool. Yeah. He's like, he's he's at, he's going through some trouble. He's got a, a political dad who didn't understand his ways and all yeah. that stuff. And, and the old people just show up at the... The bar at the end, just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, they said they were going to go look for the people, but they didn't even show them looking for them. They just popped up in the bar. Well, and apparently, the bartender owner, he has this line where he's like, well, I better go get my Bible so I can exercise the demons. <laughs> like uh, it happens every week. Yeah, like, oh, the bartender can exercise people now? Yeah, I better, well, I guess I better go get that Bible of mine. <laughs> I, if I if I had a favorite scene in it, it's uh you know she bought she buys the crystal ball and takes it to the party and apparently the crystal ball like had a demon trapped in it or whatever yeah. and then it shows the antique store the old lady and the guy in it who is obviously somebody's dad and and this is a whopper for this movie he's the worst actor in the movie <laughs> he is how can he be the worst actor in the movie you've been on. That's you, hard to say. And not to mention, like, dude, you've been on Earth for, like, 65 years, and a couple of kids ask you to be in your movie, and you're like, yeah, okay. Like, and, and you make an ass of yourself at that age? Like, you should fucking know better. And he goes, and she's like, he's like, hey, what happened to that crystal? Like, I'm just making this up, but this is actually probably better dialogue than the movie. <laughs> hey, what happened to that crystal ball of mine? And she's like, oh, I sold it to a couple of girls. And he's like, oh, man. And he starts shaking his head, and he's like, that was given to me by a, a sorceress who trapped a demon inside of it. And she goes, and then it's dead air. Dead air for like fucking three or four Terrible. seconds. And she goes, oh no, well what are we going to do? And he starts patting her shoulder and he goes, now don't flip out. Terrible. <laughs> I'll get it back. Like, what the fuck Some is of my, that? my favorite props of, uh, of the movie would have to be the homemade twister games where they play multiple twister twister games. Yes. But if you look closely, they made the twister game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a piece of construction paper. <laughs> yeah. And another thing was at the very end after everything's done and the girls defeated or back to normal or whatever the fuck happened. <laughs> they have outside of the club that they're hiding in or whatever, there's a sign on the door on like poster board written in sharpie it says proper attire required <laughs> like this is some fucking classy joint yeah, proper attire <laughs> you can't come in here with that t-shirt dude seriously but okay the crowning the crowning thing that i found out about this <laughs> that makes this the best thing ever not only is this the director's 15th movie <laughs> But it's a sequel oh. to Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama. <laughs> oh my god, are you kidding? I am not. This guy has 34 movies on IMDb, and this is his 15th. What's his name? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. Who fucking cares? I want to see his first movie. <laughs> yeah. I read that, I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. So. You have to think, like, guy like that, the first three or four movies, like, he got through the whole thing and then was like, oh, dang it, and hadn't taken the fucking <laughs> le lens cap off the camera. 
but he listed him on IMDb anyway. Yep. He went. For I'm it. a pro- I'm a prolific director. Go check out my stats on IMDb. I think you'll be impressed. Holy crap! 15, and it's a sequel. You told me on the phone you were like, I found out something about this movie you're not gonna believe, but I can't believe that's fucking insane. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! Only the two of us, the only people in the entire universe, other than the people in the movie that have seen this, can appreciate. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't. Know. If anybody out there wants to borrow Sorority Babes and the dance of thon of Death, just email us at uh, a damn podcast at gmail.com and I will gladly mail it to you. Okay, now that you let me watch that piece of shit, I have oh. one for you. Um, Ooh, I'm getting ready. This isn't even on par to how shitty that is, but I've always I saw a preview on this and wondering why the fuck anybody would ever make this movie. Let alone watch it. Let alone watch it. Okay. Let alone pay for it. Yeah. Um, but you are uh, going but to I'm wa- about to. <laughs> but you're going to watch Karate Dog. <laughs> oh, fuck! Have you for that? Yeah! With John Voight. Is John it? Voight! And the dog knows karate. Dude, And John from what I can tell Voight. by the preview, they ripped off basically every popular movie in the last I know. I The one thing I know from seeing the trailer for it is that it has that fucking dead horse that everybody has been beating on for the last the 10 Matrix. years. Of yeah. the Matrix yeah. scene. Yeah. And this is like this the came slow out motion, like uh, you know oh, bullets come fucking by. God, John you know Void and this? a CGI dog. You know what's sad is that we've both seen the trailer. Yeah, for and that. all the dogs talk too, huh? <laughs> I can't Dude, wait. John Void. I bet if I ran into John Void walking down the street and was like, "Hey, man, I'll give you five bucks if I can film you pissing in a <laughs> pissing in a corner." All right. All right. Okay. He would he would do anything at this stage. Yep. Oh my lord. So karate dog. Karate dog. All right, it's on. Good luck with that. All right, I gotta. Right. I got. I'm gonna put it in my queue. Let's go ahead and get into the top five. Okay, top five list. Uh, let's start with the Kiefer. Kiefer. Let's start with top five Kiefer Sutherland roles. Okay, go for it. Uh, my number five, A Time to Kill. Nice. That I, is actually my number five as well. It's a great one, man. It, it is. is. He's really hidden. It, it's it's another very much like Dark City. It's one of these ones where he's when like you a first white supremacist guy, yeah, and when you first see him, like he looks pretty pretty fucking haggard and like, whoa, dogs are going crazy. Sorry, I don't know what just happened. Apparently, a milk bone just walked into my yard. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you could hear that in the background or not. But well, if they haven't, you're gonna sound pretty dumb right now. I think you could hear the dogs barking. <laughs> this camera, this camera. Whoa, this microphone. Do you want to start the lot. top five over? No, we're not starting shit over. Anyway, you know he does. He does really hide himself in this role uh, uh, quite a bit. I mean, uh, I, he does sort of have this slick back sort of '50s ish look to him. But but I think it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting role. Why was it? Why was it your number five? Uh, he, you know, he did a uh, he did an awesome job um, uh, as kind of the white supremacist guy, or who's just kind of getting into it. And his brother was the one who was killed in the movie. Right. Uh, one of the guys was killed in the movie, and he's you know he's just good at the good you know asshole like dirtbag. <laughs> he is well, and I think that it, I think it's really interesting. It seems like uh, <clears throat> through the eighties, he was really uh, considered like leading guy kind of stuff, and then. You know, that waned just a little bit, and so through the 90s, he did a lot of really interesting uh, supporting roles where he was, uh, you know, becoming more of a character actor. And then, you know, into 2000s, the whole Jack Bauer thing. But, you know, th- this is another one of those, like, like I said, like Dark City and maybe a little like uh, uh, a 
few good men where he's you know he's doing one of these character roles and yeah. he's great at him. I mean, yep. he really is. He's so awesome. Your number four, Freeway. Nice. I I hair lip, dude. <laughs> well, it just like. It's so great because when I first and I and I the first time I saw Freeway was it was just sort of randomly on TV or something. Yeah, me when too. I, when I watched it and uh, it's I know a lot better about on it. DVD though because they're swearing. Right, because they're swears. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, n- didn't know anything about it and and was watching the beginning like what the fuck is this? It was before. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, help me out. What the fuck is her name? Oh, Reese, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Yeah. Uh, before re- she had really done anything, and so I was just like, "What is this movie?" And then <laughs> yeah. he it's a fucked up. Movie. And then he shows up and it giving like she's hitchhiking and he gives her the ride, yeah. Mister Wolf, right? <laughs> and he's this really nice kind of straight laced guy, and I'm like, "That's weird for him to be playing this character." And then he immediately turns super creepy, and you're like, "Oh, okay." Well, you he know? gets so fucked up in that and movie. And then he gets, well, then that's the best part is I'm like, "Oh, he's yeah, super that's creepy." That's when it gets really. And good. then everything, and then there, you know, there, uh, there's a moment where you think like, "Oh, he's dead," or like, you know, you kind of don't know what what happens, and 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 I was kind of like, "Well, that's dumb." Like, if he's dead, show him get killed because it's Kiefer, and if yeah. he's not, then like, where is he? And then when it shows him again, you get the punchline of the joke because he shows up in court, <laughs> yeah. you know, and she's she's in juvie or whatever for attacking him. And he's got, like, that big baseball-sized lump thing in the side <laughs> of his mouth, and you can see all of his teeth, and, like, his eyes are all fucked up, and he's got that weird, like, neck brace and then arm like a joker thing. hair lip Dude, it's something. amazing. <laughs> he looks so fucked up, and he keeps, like, <laughs> And he talks yeah. weird. Oh, yeah, my it's God. It's amazing. It's great. I just thought that was hilarious that, nice. he, that he did that. So that's my four. Uh, my number four is Stand By Me. The older, uh, he's the he's kind of the gang leader, you know, where they go and looking for the dead body, and then he finds out that there is a dead body, and he wants to claim it. That's on my list as well, but... Well, uh, Freeway's on my list earlier as well, so... But uh, Stand By Me, you know, he's he's kind of... You know, that was one of his it, defining roles to make him go into stuff uh, that he did later in the 80s and 90s, but we'll talk about it, maybe. Yeah, Stand, stand By Me is actually my number one, <clears throat> which I will... I. I'll delve into well, when we Freeway when we get is to actually it. my number one. So. Oh, okay. So well, then I, <laughs> Let's just talk I just talk about okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why his his character in Stand by Me is my number one is that when I was younger, I read a lot of Stephen King books. Yeah. I, that was you know when I was like twelve and thirteen. That was perfect like adolescent fodder. You know, it's like uh-huh. just all the horror and all this stuff. But you know, most of his stories take place in the <clears throat> in the fictional city of, of a fictional town of Castle Rock. Yep. And almost every single one of these stories that has to do with Castle Rock has Ace Merrill in it. At one point or another, they mention Ace Merrill, and he was the legendary badass. And I had read several of Stephen King's books before I saw this movie. And seeing it and seeing Kiefer Sutherland playing Ace Merrill, he was fucking perfect. It yeah. was the embodiment of... Just that toothpick rolling around in the corner of his mouth, cigarette and in the just, eye. Yeah, yeah, just and the rolled up, the rolled up shirt sleeves, oh. and just like especially the, for his age and everything. Yeah, just the biggest badass. And I mean, he's he only shows up in the movie like three times, but every time he does, he is the scariest fucking thing. I yeah. mean, he, it's just like you know, and and even in some of Stephen King's stories, describes it as being like there were the kids that were bad. And then there were the kids that were like the kind of scary juvenile delinquents. And then there was Ace Merrill, who you honestly thought like, this guy's going to fucking kill somebody, you know, like it's, and I just, I don't know. I really appreciated his portrayal of it. And so 
that to me, even now, if I were watching an episode of 24, it's like, oh, it's Ace Maryland. Now he's working yeah. for the government, you know? like For sure, no. It's a, an amazing movie, and I was debating putting it in earlier, but, you know, eh. it's hard to rank these, so. It is. Uh, my number three, Flatliners. Nice. I, it's just, it's a great movie anyway, but his, his character in it goes through, uh, such an interesting, uh, journey and, and actually, you know, kind of go back to the stand by me thing where he was obviously this little fucker when he was younger. The, is he the one I haven't seen him in a while? Is he the one that, um, he was throwing rocks at the kid in the tree? He was tree? throwing rocks yeah. at the kids in the, the kid in the yeah. tree. And, you know, he goes, his character goes this really intense transformation through the movie of, you know, I don't. It's 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 a great movie, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But you know, th- this idea of uh, these things coming back to haunt you, and you know, there's some moments in it where it, it is really frightening, and I think that he does a great job of giving that character a lot of humanity that, if another actor had done it, wouldn't have been able to to pull it off in the same way, where he can seem like a real prick, and at the same time, you, you you're scared for him and you feel bad for him. So yeah. that's my number three. Uh, my number three, and the movie's not necessarily that amazing, but it's Eye for an Eye. I don't know if you've ever seen I it. It's with Sally Field. It. It's not that amazing, but he plays this like child rapist murderer guy. And he Whoa. is, and, and he's got no remorse through the whole thing. And he's a total, I mean, it seems like all of his roles that we're talking about, he's just a bad guy. Yeah, but yeah. This one, like, if you see this movie, it will creep you out. And I remember seeing. This movie, um, and he was just total creep, and he had this cool style, and he's you know got tattoos and smokes, and always wears sunglasses, and he always did this. <laughs> you sound like you're twelve talking about the cool well, guy in school. This yeah, guy's just cool. He's got like <laughs> tattoos, and, like he smokes and stuff. Well, that's how you're <laughs> describing Ace Merrill. I know, <laughs> but he always did this cool thing with a cigarette where he is, is like down by his wa- waist, and he threw it up, and it, he always caught it in his mouth. From his waist, whoa. like, and I was like, "Whoa, that's so awesome!" I, even it, when I like, I didn't even really smoke or anything in high school, um, and I was still like, "Can I borrow that?" And tried to do it because I was like, "That guy people is getting so cool. pissed at all the cigarettes you were wasting." No, I didn't waste them, but you know, I gave you them give back. them back after they <laughs> all, uh, almost got in your mouth <laughs> and then rolled around on the fucking well, yeah, ground. They didn't really ever. Here make, you go, man. They didn't really ever make it in my mouth. But he was. If you've seen this movie, you would understand how creepy and awesome. Eye for he was. an eye. Yeah. But it's a crappy movie. No, it's not terrible. I mean, it's it's you know you can watch anything once. I'll, yeah, I'll watch anything with Kiefer once. That's yeah. for sure. He he's great. Kiefer. Let's well, just we've said his name. Donald. So many times. What were you thinking? Yeah, Donald. Come on, <laughs> Kiefer. Uh, my number two, Lost Boys. My number two as well. It is. I figured we'd have a lot of the same ones. Yeah, well, like, and it is the epitome of of really what's cool about Kiefer Sutherland yeah, because yeah. he's just you know. He's kind of fangy anyway, you know? He kind of has that, like, creepy, evil Head vampire. Yeah. Well, and like we were saying, we look, I, I, we were thinking about the movies he's in, and there's only, like, he's in, he's really great in the stuff he's in, but there's only ones, a few that really stick out, and that's why I think four out of the five are the same are thing. Because Well, and he really hasn't done that many movies either. I mean, really. I think like, 24 is taking up a lot of time, because yeah. that's got to be pretty Well, even when he was younger, I mean, he, you know, his list of movies was like, you know... I mean, I guess a lot compared to some people, but when you think of Kiefer Sutherland, I guess the roles that he's in are he's so are so grand anyway that you just think like, oh, he's in a bunch of stuff. I did have a few honorable mentions. Flatliners was one of them, but I didn't want to mention them because I because it was kind of um, tight on what we were yeah. going to say. But I do have a couple. 
Young Guns. He's Doc. In yeah, Young Doc. Guns. He's Doc Holiday. Yeah, and that Guns. almost made it on my list. Yeah, because I it was between that and a Time to Kill, and, and uh, the other one is Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, which he directed. He directed too. it and he yeah. filmed it in Utah, where we're at. That's so right. He did film that in Utah, and it's got Vincent Gallo in. It's not the best movie, but it's a, it's it, got it's, some good. Stuff. It's worth a mention. It's so. good. Yeah. But do you want to talk about Lost Boys a little more? Or I mean, that, that's I mean, um, anyone who's seen Lost Boys. I don't know. I, I think I think Lost Boys will probably show up on one of our '80s appreciation. Oh, I'm sure we'll do Lost so. Boys eventually. So let's we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, um, do you want to take a break? Sure. What do you want to listen to? Let's listen to "Cop and a Criminal," and the song is called "Swarm of the Dragonfly." We'll be right back. <laughs> Let's get into our top five. We're gonna do top our last top five. Our top five movies that could have been better, or parts of movies that could have been better. The big, the big climactic like fight scene or whatever that they're alluding to and all this stuff, and you know, or or any anything along those lines, uh, taken from the the scene in in in, uh, Dark City. Yeah, but I think that they're. I mean, I don't know. Well, first part of it, I was thinking fights. Like physical fights, I'm like, okay. Um, well, and mine, mine are kind, of, mine are that in a sense, but yeah, they're just too. like that letdown kind of, you yeah. know. Well, all right. Well, why don't ahead. you? Why don't you start off with your okay. number five? Uh, I have an extreme hatred for this movie, so <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say it was building up to something, but the first two movies um, were some of the best superhero movies I think that are out there. Is okay. X Men Three. 
X-Men 3. Yeah. Have you seen it? Brett Ratner. Yeah, they let they let Brett Ratner destroy and take a dump on that franchise. Oh yeah, the first two, Brian Singer, they're awesome. I, I'm convinced Brian Singer should be the only person that makes a comic book movie in Hollywood anymore because he always makes amazing movies. But I they agree. let they let Brett Ratner, the guy who did fucking Rush Hour two, yeah, do this movie. Now this whole movie is just a terrible reflection on what. The, past two movies we're building up to. Right. But the ending particularly is terrible. Okay, so and that's the other thing I, I want to note really quick, not to cut you off, but th- this one is going to be spoiler heavy. And so if you hear us start to, you know, start talking about the movies and you haven't seen them, you, you might want not want to listen to this part either. So the ending particularly, this part has always bugged me, where Magneto <laughs> picks up the fucking San Francisco bridge yeah. and moves it all the way over to Alcatraz. Right. And then so they walk across, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, what is there, like 20 people walking? Get in some fucking minivans yeah, and, you know, yeah, just yeah, bring sure. those over there. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to destroy a, a historic landmark to fucking get your whatever. In the whole movie, Magneto is, like, trying to recruit Jean Grey the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. And he finally convinces her to come along. And what does she do the first... 15 minutes of the end fight scene, stand around and yep. let everyone fight. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Fuck you. So <laughs> she just lets her stand around, and finally she decides to do her thing, and everything works out, or whatever, but I hate this movie. I fucking hate it. <laughs> so, I, it was such a, a, a sad uh, conclusion to no, a, that's great a great series. One. That's so. a great one. Um, my number five, and this isn't a good movie, Either, but it, it could have been. Well, it, it's Phantom Menace. Yeah, it's Phantom Menace episode one, and my big beef with Phantom Menace over everything else, all the other shit that you could, and there's a million things you could get into <laughs> yeah. and pick apart about why this movie's a smoldering fucking piece of shit. But Darth Maul, Darth Maul is on every fucking Slurpee cup. Action figures, fucking galore. You can get 15 different versions of him in 15 different fighting outfit. For sure. Whatever. And he's on every poster and he's everywhere. And, you know, in the movie's defense, he's a pretty raging badass. Oh, like, he's he's, 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 he's the best. He's one of my favorite Darth characters of the whole Yeah, he's, he's the amazing. best part of that movie, too. Easily. And then they kill him at the end of the first one. Yeah. And I'm just like, and, and just just that, just him getting, he gets like, he, doesn't he get like cut in half yep. or some shit? And it's just like, the second they cut him in half, I'm like, oh, cool, he's going to like fuse himself back together, nope. something awesome like that. No, nope, he's gone. Well, and I, I when I, I remember seeing that, and he falls down there, Yeah. and I'm like, oh, Luke's taken that fall before. He yeah, sure, him. he's gone down that hole. <laughs> and then then his body tears apart. I'm like, yeah. well, that's too bad, because he was the coolest he part of the movie. He was the coolest movie. part of the movie. <laughs> well, and then the thing that made me so mad, though, was just the idea that it's like, they had built it up as if in the first three movies, Darth Maul was going to be the fucking serious badass. And instead, we get fucking Cabbage Patch-faced <laughs> Emperor Palpatine as the main bad guy. <laughs> yep. You know, it's just like, no, he was the scary one. Like, not even Christopher Lee, like, the, this, not even Christopher Lee, like, this guy's the scary one. Yep. Fucking Darth Maul. Yep. And yeah, they, bl- they blew their wad. Um, they had three movies to have it, and they blew their wad. I gotta say, Star Wars may show up in mine later. Okay. <laughs> so that's my number five, your number four. My number four, and I love this movie. The rest of these movies I really like, but they just had weak parts. Okay. Parts that 
could have been better. You know, right. parts that you're like, oh, you know, like for sure. Uh, and I love the rest of these movies, but Gangs of New York is my number four. Okay. Reason being, um, the whole movie builds up to these two gangs yep. fighting each other, yeah. and they're running at each other, literally running yeah. at each other. Like and, Braveheart style. And Yeah, exactly. And then a cannon gets shot into a building and distracts everything, and yeah. you don't get to fight. Yeah. You're just like, fucking come what on. What are you doing? Scorsese. I, yeah. Uh, no. I love the man. He's my god, but... What? Come on! He has some stinkers. I don't think so. I don't think he's got that. He has some stinker moments. Moments, maybe. Okay, that's what I meant. Not movies, moments. But uh, but you know, you just waited for it, and Daniel Day Lewis is so great, and I I love Leonardo DiCaprio. He's great, and and you know they're both awesome, and you want to see them fight, and they kind of do, but not to the no what you were hoping. The battle never takes place. I totally agree. And that so that I, I was. You know that I See, love the movie. It, I mean, it's a broad topic, but this is this is. I exactly, love the movie, yeah. but that part particularly, ah, it could have been better. But. My number four, uh, amazing movie, and it's a minor gripe because there's sequels where the awesome fight takes place, but Alien, mm. the first one, the first one, we get we get to where it's just her and she's in the escape pod, and there's the alien, and. It's like, oh my god, and then, you know, there's this super tension, and it's like, holy shit, and she climbs into a spacesuit and presses the airlock button. That's right. That's, yeah. that's, that is, that is the most active that she gets in this movie. And it's it, true. And, you know, granted, she comes back in the second one in that giant yellow yeah. fucking construction suit and says, get away from her, you bitch, and so she makes up for it, but, like, I remember the first time that I watched Alien, when it got to that part, I... It was totally forgivable because the rest of the movie is so awesome, but I was like, God, that's it? It goes out the airlock? That's it? Like, yeah, you that... blasted out the airlock? It just That was too easy. Yeah, it was just a downer. Like, it yeah. just, you know, it, it felt like a false ending, and then it's going to come back and do something else, and it just didn't, and it kind of bummed me out. But So that's my number four. My number three is kind of a, a downer ending as well, and not necessarily a downer, just kind of uneventful. You were hoping for more. Okay. And it is Heat. With uh, Pacino and De Niro. You know, that almost made it on my list. And the reason why, you know, these two guys are battling out cop cop versus thief guy, you know, yeah. the whole time. And, you know, two of the legendary actors finally together on screen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you're just, like, hoping for this. And the end is Al Pacino holding Robert De Niro's hand and Moby playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's it. And they're just like... It couldn't have been gayer. <laughs> well, and it's just like he's dead, and it was just the weird shootout with lighting and airplanes, and it was just like yeah. it could have been a lot cooler. Yeah, it, it once again feels like one of those tacked on kind of endings. And, and the thing is, with that movie, it's really long. It's like three hours long, and there's the shootout scene, and I guess the it's closer to the end, but it's more to the middle where you're like, oh, this is the end scene. This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, and, and then it and goes on for like yeah. another forty five minutes, which is fine, but it could have. They, they they built it up for so long, and it just could have ended a lot cooler. I, I totally but I do agree. love the movie. I think it's great. It's a great movie, but I agree with that, that it's like, eh, you know, and like, I haven't seen it for a while, and even when, when you mentioned that, I thought, I can't remember the big climactic there isn't like, one, yeah. battle between the two of them. My number three, uh, <clears throat> not the ending, um, not even necessarily a great movie, but... Uh, <laughs> 
I like it because I'm a I'm a I'm a horror buff. But uh, Hellbound, Hellraiser two. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Well, there's the Doctor in it, and the Doctor's like obsessed with the Cenobites and the whole thing, and he ends up going to hell and becoming one of the Cenobites. And he's really evil, and he's got this big worm thing coming out of his head. And he meets up with the rest of the Cenobites, Pinhead and the rest of them from the first one. And he's going to fight them. And, like, it's this big thing, and you're waiting for it. And, like, you know, like, it, they're getting ready, and they all have a couple of good one-liners. And you're like, ah, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then Pinhead, who you know from the first movie and all the rest of the movies, who has control of all these, like, gnarly chains with hooks on him and like he can do whatever he wants pulls out a, a dagger the size of macaulay culkin's dick it is the fucking <laughs> is that big teeniest, or small okay <laughs> it is the teeniest most non-threatening thing you've ever seen he's like and he pulls it out like i'm gonna get you and then the big badass doctor just kills them all none of them even fight back he just like slits all their throats and they're like Ugh, and they all die <laughs> And I mean, I remember being like 14 the first time I saw that, and I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, come on, man, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Michael it's the Culkin's most. Dick. Yeah, it's the <laughs> most ridiculous fight scene, and it's a non fight scene. It's like, why would you fucking do that? Why? Uh, uh, yep. It makes me mad even talking about it. So, anyway, <laughs> that's one of those ones where it's just like, you built up to this moment, and then they just all die, and they don't even get to defend themselves. And Pinhead with a little fucking letter opener. <laughs> Oh, all right. Anyway, your number three. Uh, my number two. Oh, your number two. That's right. It's actually uh, it's three ten to Yuma, the remake, the new one. Almost made it on mine. Um, yep. it's you know it's incredible movie. Two great actors. Yeah. Going at each other the whole time. Amazing. And then, it, just the ending itself doesn't fit what Russell, anything that happened. Before Russell Crowe's character at all. Yeah. Like what he was doing like this huge badass and then he kills the his gang that has been trying to save him the whole movie yeah you're just like what the fuck that all that did it almost it doesn't ruin the movie for me quite yet like it does a lot of people yeah oh yeah it's a great movie um other than that (laughs) yeah no i totally agree man and i i thought of that too just like and i mean it was an interesting turn in the movie and like oh wow that happened but you're like why did you follow the storyline of uh, his gang trying to get to him and get him back? And then let him And then die. just yeah. like, yeah, he fucking like lets them all die or yeah. kills them all or just like... like he gets why? on the train or whatever. I would yeah. understand if he just got on the train and they saw him drive away in the train. That's yeah. cool, but what do you kill them all? What do you kill them yeah. for? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have my loyal followers. Retarded. I'm going to kill them all and start yeah. a new gang. So, I don't know. that The whole ending... Definitely has its problems. Now, my number two, once again, goes along with me being really into horror movies. And that leads me to be really... For, I'm, I forgive so fucking much. You have to. <laughs> I forgive so much with horror movies. Because as long as there's some stuff in it where I'm like, yeah, then like I can let a lot of stuff go. My number two is the miniseries It. Stephen King's It. I was thinking about that, actually. And, <laughs> you know, it was made in the 80s. It's a TV miniseries, so, like, you have to forgive a lot of stuff in it. There is some horrible, horrible special effects, but... There's some awesome stuff, But Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown is fucking awesome. Yeah, he always even scared of clowns. And and even uh, uh, um, John Ritter is good in it. Like, he's, you know, he's a good actor. There's good parts to it. There's a lot of good parts. My problem... (laughs) 
is at the end of it, and and, and fair this enough. I've like... read the book. I've read the book, and this does sort of happen in the book, but it's written in a way where like it's cool and it doesn't seem cheesy. <sighs> in the movie, they fight a ten foot tall paper mache spider. <laughs> And it is the stupidest thing. And it's just like, I mean, there is a shot where it literally looks like a group of adults standing in a room like that's been made to look like a cave, punching and kicking a paper mache <laughs> spider. It looks like you should be embarrassed. You know, whereas other movies you can you can suspend that disbelief and be like, oh my god, it's a monster and they're trying to kill it. No. No, it is a giant yeah, and I, it's it's hardly moving, you see, know. And when it's, when I saw this when I was a kid, not necessarily that part, but the whole movie was always creeped me out totally. And I love the movie; it's great. Yeah, but I know what part you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and it's, it's seriously like, and especially when you think like, okay, this was made in like '89, right? Something like that. And yeah. you think like, so that means that five years earlier, they were able to create Job of the Hut. <laughs> But you guys are fighting something that, like, Bird Eye Gordon wouldn't even fucking go near. <laughs> like, this is the fakest looking fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. And it just, it, it, it's, it literally, I own it. And me, me and my wife watch it. And we shut it off, like, with ten minutes left because we don't want to see that part. Because it's just, like, the whole thing up to that's like, wow. And occasionally you're like, whoa, that was super cheesy. But that's, like, that goes even beyond my level of cheese. Like, I'm just like, I, I can't fucking watch that spider. It's so horrible. <laughs> So anyway, awesome. that's my number two. That's awesome. Um, uh, my number one, and like I said before, Star Wars, but it's Return of the Jedi. Um, okay. I, some people will probably disagree with me, but oh, me, I'm my, gonna me hear and my you. buddy at work were talking about this, and I was kind of thinking about it anyway, and you know what? The part where, you know, basically the very end, mm -hmm. where he kills the Emperor, and then... Apparently, all of a sudden, everything's forgiven. Everything's cool. <laughs> and no, and all the what? Do all the stormtroopers just like fall on the ground well, and can't yeah, fight anymore? Exactly. Like this whole three series that have been building up to this like amazing trilogy ending, right? Um, you know, have you know, and all this shit. None of this would have happened if he just wouldn't have gone along with the with the emperor in the first place, right? And all these people have died. And he kills yeah, him finally, okay. and he's like, and everything's cool by the end. And, and they show, Luke looks up into the sky, and you see Obi-Wan and Yoda <laughs> and him, and they're like waving or whatever. Yeah, they're all buddies now. And yeah, so he's like, Obi-Wan wouldn't be pissed. Like, he's on par with Yoda fuck now. Fuck you, you don't get to stand next to me. He's on you... par with Yoda now, apparently. So. Well, and especially <laughs> after watching the first three, yeah, you gotta think like the Emperor standing next to Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's gotta be like, Dude, fuck you. <laughs> like, I, I picked you up when you were a kid from fucking yeah. Tatooine. We yeah. dealt with all this shit. You never listened. I tried to kill you once. You came <laughs> back and you killed me. And now you want to stand up here and wave down to Luke? It fuck was just, you. I think a lot of it, too, was being a kid and being so stoked to see the ending and right. see how it was going to end. And you're then like, it wasn't until, like, as an adult so that you came back. And so like, everything's... I mean, I know he dies, but it's just right. like, so he's forgiven for everything? Not to mention, like... You gotta think that those those uh, Imperial guards in the big red outfit with the sticks that stand outside of the like Imperial throne room, yeah. 
are those guys really going to put that job on their resume after the fact? <laughs> like, we let we let this dude roll in there. Resume. He fucking killed him. And then he carried some... He carried Darth Vader back out, and uh, we didn't do shit. Well, and the worst part that makes me want to stab George Lucas is the only versions that you can buy now, he replaced Anakin and Obi-Wan with... Um, the guys from the new ones. No. Yep, he replaced their heads with the guys from the new ones. No, he did? Unfortunately, yes. Holy So unless you have the shit. older original version on that, um, <laughs> that's what you have to see now. Oh my god. Yeah, it's... Thank you, George Lucas, for shooting. Dude, that'd be like the guy that directed Jaws the Revenge to go back to the first one and have the Jaws roar and jump out of the water and shit. <laughs> Yeah, and put Mario Van Peebles in every scene. Unfortunately, that so that whole it's just like it could have been better. It oh could have been God. a lot better, and he could have been. It could have been like you know how the ending of Pan's Labyrinth, where they're like, "No, fuck you, you're dead." You know, it's just yeah. something like you're the bad guy. You shouldn't. Nothing. Not everything should be okay now that. Yeah. Now that um, you know, you killed. Yeah. If you if the worst any bad kids, guy. any kids now that watch those movies in consecutive order from one to the end of six. Grow up thinking, I can be a cock knocker to whoever I want my entire life. <laughs> I'll, still, I'll still go to heaven and my son will still love me. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So that's why. So that's, I'm sure that's some people good. would agree no, with me. But I no, like, but I think you make a very good argument. My number one is The Shining. Ah. And it's not the end of the movie. Huh. It's Scatman Crothers. <laughs> we stick with him. That's we true. stick with his character for so long. And he even, man, he's sitting there, like, in Florida, in his shorts, on that bed, with that poster behind him of the naked black chick with a giant afro. Yep. He's fucking fine. And then he gets a little brainwave call from Danny back in the Overlook Hotel. He's like, oh my god, I gotta go brainwave save him. Brainwave call. Yeah, and he fucking gets on an airplane, feeling. and he goes, he goes back to the middle of this fucking blizzard, hops in one of those snowcats, Drives through the night, risks his fucking life, gets there, walks through the goddamn door, and gets an axe in the stomach from Jack Nicholson. <laughs> it's bullshit. And you're like, that's it? That's why we fucking, that's why we've been following his story through this whole thing? Is for him to walk in the room and be like, ah, and get fucking killed? That's it? That's awesome. I was so pissed. And yeah. I understand that, like, if he hadn't gone up there, they wouldn't have had the snow cat, so they couldn't have escaped yeah. because he sabotaged the first one. But still, like, at least get it. Let him get in a throw. Like, like let him get in one good one to the jaw to yeah. Jack Nicholson. Like, <laughs> you just, like, you know, yeah. ah, fucking even talking about it, I don't it, even man. think about that. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you build up to all this, and then he just, like, he, he's wearing that big parka, and, like, he can't turn around, and, like, he totally goes out like a bitch. It yeah, sucks. That's that's a good one. Uh, I didn't think about it. Do you have any honorable mentions? I have oh. two. I don't know. I have one. You've listed a couple of my honorables. Okay, so. that's fine. Um, I have one, and it's it's I'm Legend. I, I don't think you've I seen, it yet, seen it yet, so I won't say too much. But dude, say would, whatever you want. I would. No, it's worth seeing. It, it's really the first half of it is really cool. The only reason why I would see it is because Mike Patton does the voices of the demons in it. Does he really? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, which that's the only but reason. But the why ending, I it, it could have been better. It really went downhill halfway through, and I, you know, I'll, that's all I'll say about it since you haven't seen it. But I do recommend seeing it just because you know just so we can have the conversation I'm gonna, what you thought of the end so. I'm gonna it, I'm going to watch it and then to cleanse myself from it I'm gonna watch Omega Man <laughs> to cleanse yourself yeah because Omega Man yeah yeah, yeah. 
And then oh, that's second... actually Omega Man is the second remake. That's the third time they remade it with Will Smith. And Will Smith. And then uh, Am I the last man on Earth. Earth. <laughs> Fucking Will Smith. Anyway. Um. And then the fight scene at the end of Mr. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> I, what? I'm just, yeah, I'm totally. Kidding. I was gonna say, like, I remember the Simpsons episode. Exactly. They do that's that. why oh, I mentioned fuck. that. Okay. That's why I mentioned. Oh my god! You totally. I was like, and I didn't <laughs> want to say anything because really, wait. No, I didn't want to say anything because I was concerned that maybe you had confused the <laughs> no, two, or you no. haven't been getting a lot of I, sleep. I, I I was just saying that because of the Simpsons episode where Mel Gibson remixed. Yeah. The okay. I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you talking? They could have right. done it like Mel Gibson. They could have. They no. could have. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I have two words. <laughs> I I have two words that can fix any dull movie when you want to remake it. Rocket launcher. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> and Every he, single and he throws the president seal and cuts off his oh, head. That's right. Anyways, I have to. Ah, uh, the Simpsons. I the, was Simpsons. the Simpsons. We, I had to acknowledge night. that. So, um, should we uh, do, do next some, week? Uh, do do you have any other listener feedback? Um, no, since we don't have internet. Other than there, there was one that Taylor mentioned, um, but it was like two paragraphs, and I don't. No. So we're going to do it next week. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I didn't want to hurt my hand and write it down. No, so. and I don't blame you. But Taylor, I promise. And But he did mention something. when he Did he mention that no one else is writing to yeah, us? Yeah, he said everyone is lazy shits, and that's why they're not writing. This not is that true. we think you're lazy shits. But well, I have family members that are listening to this, so they could <laughs> at least fucking write in. So, yeah. And they've sent stuff to our MySpace, but like, send, send an actual comment. Go uh, ahead, and to remind everyone, what's our email? Adampodcast at gmail.com. That's A-D-A-M-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And then the little and symbol. And then gmail.com. Take five minutes and write us in. We love Seriously. it. Seriously. There's been like two or three people. <laughs> we're aching for yeah. people. And I mean, we're watching the downloads. People are listening, but like, come on, guys. Like, people out of state as well. You know? People that aren't in Utah, we'd love to see that as soon. Yeah, get so. involved. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> next week, we are going to go uh, ahead and I think we're going to watch One, One Floor, Floor Over the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's Nest. Nest. Yes, with Jack Nicholson. So I that's believe a good 19... tie in with Shining because. That's right. That's Scat right. Catman is in it. Scatman is in it? He's in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Is he really? Yes, he is. I see. I haven't seen it in a while. I know that Danny DeVito's in it. Yep. And Brad Dureef. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else? There's a couple other people, too. Uh, there's a few other people. We'll, we'll, we'll get into yeah. it. Uh, and then our two top five lists. One of them is going to be top five uh, best scenes that take place in a mental institution. And then the second one was... Uh, top five female villains. Yeah, because I don't think that vil- villainous... Maybe that Whatever. villainous. It sounds more normal bad now. Bad chicks. I, yeah, what bad <laughs> chicks? When I was saying it earlier, it sounded weird. Villainous, but yeah, female villains. Top five female. See, now I can't do it. Oh well. Anyway, uh, so I think that's the end of this episode, though. Okay, we will see you next week. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>